We have all probably heard the words stereotype, prejudice or stigma, but do we really know what they mean and the difference between each other? I will try to explain each concept, how they affect us and their relationship to a common foe, discrimination. This is Daniela. Welcome to this new podcast. Today's topic is about stereotypes and discrimination and how they can be detrimental to the sense of identity. I would like to start by saying that not everything can be classified as discriminatory because there are situations that, however aggressive, incorrect or socially invalid, do not violate any right, deny opportunities or hinder equal treatment. However, we can say that there are discriminatory roots. These are words and acts that create a sufficient panorama that fills the pillars for possible discriminatory acts. Um, the roots are prejudices, stereotypes and stigmas, along with other uh, relations. Uh, what is a prejudice? Well, prejudices are all those learned beliefs uh, and previous judgments of positive or negative value which are formulated without any real sustenance. They can be directed to a single subject or groups and they are not necessarily shared by society. In contrast, uh, we have stereotypes which are beliefs, values, judgments, and assumptions, both positive and negative, assigned to members of a group based on incomplete information that generalizes the characteristics of some individuals towards all members. So it is usually socially shared, uh, and the most obvious problem with stereotypes is that they are applied indiscriminately and unfairly to individuals based on their belonging to a group, either real or supposed. And unfortunately, they are often used to insult and morally injure. And our third concept is a stigma, which is the culturally established discredit that considers negative towards a person or group of people because of its physical or symbolic characteristics. So whoever has a stigmatized attribute has already been rejected in advance because there is from before a set of prejudices in society that puts him in disadvantage. Now then, in every culture there are myths or created beliefs about those who are different than us and it is usually due to a fear of what is different and uh, it is those myths about the others that feed our prejudices prejudices that gives us excuses for the conscious or unconscious oppression we inflict on those who deviate from what we consider to be normal Prejudices that are directed at the individual's biological properties, like gender, skin color, physical abilities, etc. And this is why I like how Lars Odegaard describes these myths or beliefs. He said, such myths are like Norwegian trolls. They live in the best of circumstances until someone dares to pull them out into the light so that everybody can see them. Then they crack. Often we are experiencing our own stereotypes and acting based on our biases. We may 
not know or be aware that we are behaving differently than we would towards someone in the majority or someone in a group we are accustomed to dealing with. We may change our body language, our mode of speaking, how far close we sit or stand near the person, or even our eye contact may fluctuate. Um, if we are uncomfortable with someone, we stand further away. We probably smile less and we may laugh a little less, are less friendly probably, or appear less comfortable. And this is normal. We, as, as we previously saw that uh, these beliefs are usually learned through something called paradigm. Uh, and well, you may wonder, what is a paradigm? Uh, well, a paradigm is a set of beliefs whose central core is socially accepted or is not questioned in any time and space, and which usually serves to solve problems, face situations, and advance in the path of knowledge. I will, I will try to illustrate this with an example, because I think that everything looks better with an example. Uh, in the case of people with disabilities, one of the most discriminated and most invisible minority groups, uh, can we find three main paradigms? The first one is a traditional or dispensed paradigm. It considers disability as a symbol of exclusion, reoccupation and marginalization. Disability is seen as a divine punishment from which the family and the person with disabilities should feel ashamed of. This paradigm assumes that people with disabilities are not necessary, assumes that they do not make valuable attributions to society, and even makes reference to the fact that it is not worth living in that condition, which leads to the isolation, abandonment, and social exclusion of people with disabilities. Then we come to the uh, second paradigm, as a medical care or rehabilitation paradigm. This situates the disability as a problem that lies in the person, who requires medical treatment to be rehabilitated. Also understands the person with disability as an object of clinical analysis, social security, medical care or charity away from the idea that the person is an independent subject holder of rights. Well, in this model, people with disabilities are not unnecessary, nor are the result of anger or divine punishment. The medical paradigm holds that these people can be integrated into society if and only if they are rehabilitated or cured. And uh, its approach is based mainly on the scientific opinions and practices of the medical and health field, for which is perceived uh, the disability as a disease directly caused by a deficiency, trauma or other health condition, which requires medical assistance. The problem is in the physical condition of people with disabilities and not in the society. So the solution alternatives are medical, and the person is considered a patient, which automatically turns him into a passive subject. Well, our third paradigm, or human rights paradigm, focuses on the dignity of the person, the value of people regardless of whether or not they have a disability, and under this paradigm, the rights and responsibilities of people with disabilities are recognized as they are seen as agents or subjects endowed with dignity, while the disability is considered in the background. 
the latter is understood as a physical, mental, or sensory deficiency, whether permanent or temporary, progressive or regressive, serious or mild, congenital or acquired, determining or continuous, that limits the ability to exercise one or more essential activities in the daily life, which can be caused or aggravated by the economic and social environment. The paradigm of human rights locates the condition of disability outside a person and instead puts it in the society that has not yet been able to adapt to the needs of all the people that comprise it. Uh, the medical or assistance paradigm and the dispensing paradigm are linked to ideologies that have caused people who do not comply with a social stereotype of normality to be excluded and that have caused discriminatory relationship schemes. While the paradigm of human rights, uh, based on the, on the perspective of rights, is presented as a model that makes visible the real needs of persons with disabilities in the different areas of human life, and that leads to the need of having spaces, services, and accessible woods, as well as making adjustments that are necessary to ensure the inclusion of persons with disabilities. Because at the end of the day, we are all different, but we are all still humans. So we can probably agree by saying that stereotypes and biases serve to unfairly and often unintentionally distance people, while negatively affecting them, our relationships with them, and their job status or success. But how can they be detrimental to the sense of identity? Well, negative stereotypes and discriminatory acts leave deep traces in the people who have suffered them. And some of these consequences are that the people may live like victims and stop seeing their qualities because their self-esteem deteriorates. In some cases, they enter into a state of defenselessness. They may also come to believe that they deserve it or that they are responsible for the discrimination they receive. They may also tend to isolate themselves in order to avoid being attacked. And because of this fear of violence, they tend to give up their spaces for growth and opportunities for development in favor of people from other groups. They can stop studying, uh, request medical attention, attend recreational places, etc. They can also adopt our, the role that society has attributed to them, like that they reproduce this stereotyped behavior. And uh, they even reneach their characteristics and adopt those of the dominant group. So this means that they hide their belonging to the discriminated group and no longer identified with the reality they faced. And in addition, they affect people in their own situation and others who are in groups of greater disadvantages, contributing to maintain the dominant group and the discrimination. Another consequence is that uh, they can reaffirm themselves before discrimination. Th this means that they can highlight the characteristics of the group in order to live as superiors against those who oppress them. This superiority leads them to treat others with contempt and to separate themselves radically from the society, which maintains their exclusion and social inequality. And because of the violation and denial of human rights, people and groups 
use discrimination to maintain their economic or social privileges to the detriment of the rest of the society. So uh, when the state applies and imposes the laws unjustly, the existence for better living conditions is prevented and discrimination between individuals is promoted. Something else that can occur is something that in psychology is known as learned helplessness. That is when we feel that the events or results do not respond to what we do. So at the end of the day, we lose a sense of control of our lives. And that is something that can drag us into depression. A feeling of despair and abandonment ceases and the subject stops fighting having the belief that no matter what he does, nothing is going to change his destiny, even though he still has the capability of changing or making things better. Um, the serious thing about learned helplessness is that his feelings of helplessness is um, generalized. So the problem is not that there is a situation out of our hands, but that we believe that we can no longer control anything in our lives. Of course, there is a lack of motivation, a desire, this desire to fight is removed, there is a low self-esteem, and there is a tendency to save energy, which is why it also happens a lot in cases of domestic violence. It generates a feeling of apathy, where you have the thought of, this is my fate. Although in some cases, rare cases, the victims of these stereotypes or discriminatory acts come to recognize as unfair the situation in which they are and use their strength to validate their rights and establish conditions of equality. This is a reaction that, although it occurs less frequently in people who suffer discrimination, actually generates changes in favor of equality and the elimination of stereotypes and prejudices. So to conclude this topic, I would like to leave some tips and just say that it is important that the person must find areas in which he can have control of his life, things that the person can do for himself and that he will notice the results of those actions. Because just as we globalize defenselessness, so we globalize the feeling of control. And that will allow you to regain the reins. It is the power of the little things. And it is by reminding the person of the things he already does and that are already changing his life. And it is important to keep in mind that it all starts with awareness. To sensitize society, including families and ourselves, so that we all become part of the eradication of stereotypes uh, prejudices and harmful practices in any area of life. The awareness of the capacities, the contributions, the merits and skills of every sector of the society. And having social inclusion as a goal, understanding that inclusion means starting from the undeniable fact that people can have different conditions, such as gender, age, disability, economic situation, or any other, without this having to be an impediment for us to be guaranteed the exercise of rights and access to opportunities under equal conditions. Therefore, inclusion consists in transforming the social environment, either 
culture, institutions, services, mentality, infrastructure, indicators, education, among many other aspects, in order to be truly an inclusive society. And when we talk about transformation, we refer to making the necessary modifications so that all people can enjoy equal conditions to carry out our activities and decide for ourselves. And if you that are listening this have been or are victim of uh, any negative stereotype or discriminatory acts, speak up. You, you are not alone and you are valuable. There are many organizations you can approach to, many people that can support you, but it is important that you remember something. It may not be so important what others think of us, but what we think of ourselves. Leave the I can't behind you. Just trying is already a progress. So to end this, I would like to, to, to end with, um, with a quote that says, happiness is in enduring with the things that you cannot control. Having the strength to change the things that you can control and having the intelligence to know that there are things you can control, others that you cannot, and it's okay. Thank you so much for listening. Till the next time. Bye-bye.